Hello and welcome to this month's Nothing But The Poem. My name is Sam Tung and I'm the project coordinator here at the SPL. This month we decided to look at some poems by Douglas Dunn. From 1969's Terry Street right up to 2017's The Noise of a Fly, Douglas Dunn has published 17 collections and translations and collecteds. He's quite simply one of Scotland's greatest living poets which, I have to admit, made it very difficult to choose three poems. In these Nothing But The Poem sessions, we look at poems by a selected poet, read them through, and offer our ideas and thoughts about how they've impacted us. So I'm going to give you a little taster of the discussions that we had and read you the poems that we chose. The first poem is called Tay Bridge. A sky that tastes of rain that's still to fall and then of rain that falls and tastes of sky. The colour of the country's moist and subtle in dusk's expected rumour. Amplify all you can see this evening and the broad water enlarges. Dundee slips by an age into its land before the lights come on. Pale, mystic lamps lean on the river road, bleaching the city's lunar afterimage, and there's the moon, and there's the setting sun. The rail bridge melts in a dramatic haze, slow visibility. A long train floats through a stopped shower's narrow waterways, above rose-coloured river, dappled moats in the eye and the narrow piers, half real, until a cloud somewhere far in the west mixes its inks and draws iron and stone in epic outlines, black and literal. Now it is simple, weathered, plain, immodest in waterlight and late hill-hidden sun. High water adds fresh-water-filtered salt to the aquatic mirrors, a thin spice that sharpens light on Middlebank, a lilt in the reflected moon's analysis. Muds sieved and rained from pewter into gold, conjectural infinities outdone by engineering, light and hydrous fact a waterfront that rises fold by fold into the stars beyond the last of stone, a city's elements, local, exact. So one of the initial emotions that were expressed by one of the participants in the group, uh, and it's a lovely way of summing up the feeling of when a poem really gets to you, she talked about a dopamine hit, that this poem is so rich and so overwhelming that on its first listen, yeah, this participant felt like she'd um, had a rush, a kind of visceral rush. And we started to unpack a little bit where that came from. And in a way, it was simply due to the precision and the exactitude of the language and the rhythm uh, of this poem. And we started to explore how it's engineered the poem is about the tay bridge or the two bridges there's the road bridge and the rail bridge and engineering is a very important part of the poem um, and how the effects of the poem are engineered so we started to look at how this precision worked uh, and it's got 
a very sinuous and sensuous language choice and uh, the meter is extremely kind of strict but the ways in which the the lines flow on and have the enjambement and flow through the poem means that you have this kind of strict um, structure whilst also a kind of fluidity and freedom that the river that the Tay has as a character almost within this poem. What was interesting was that as this picture was built up and there's those lines there about mixing that the cloud somewhere far in the west mixes its inks and draws iron and stone in epic outlines this idea of it almost being a landscape painting as this image built and built there was a bit of ambiguity about where Dundee the city where it appears and where it kind of disappears the city's kind of there and not there and the human elements of that city and of the surroundings are kind of, if they're not lost, they're kind of decentered. There's not really, apart from obviously the engineering of the bridges, there's not too much kind of humanity per se in the heart of the poem. And that was what we were interested in discussing. Um, and we felt that that might have been why it felt so overwhelming, but also so immersive. There isn't really any other human characters in there to kind of dilute its its hit its dopamine hit and that synesthesia of different perspectives and different senses you do really get kind of lost in that poem and it definitely deserved a second reading and a third one of our participants was concerned that it might be overly descriptive and I think that was a concern based around this sense of where is the human at the center of the poem and when we were discussing it through the through the group, we felt that although, as I said, the human is decentered, there is still a central perspective, this painter, the painterly perspective at the center of it, which does feel like putting the human back into it. In some ways, we wondered whether this might be the perfect poem. What is a perfect poem? But the way in which form and content worked together to amplify all you can see this evening we felt that together that meter, that rhythm, and the incredible imagery and word choice, it just felt so rich and so well-structured and so alive at the same time. In many ways, its exactitude and its um, kind of perfect form must, must have been written against McGonagall's famous Tay Bridge disaster. This is almost an anti-McGonagall poem in its particularity and its focus. So if you want to read it yourself, it's on the Scottish Poetry Library website, as all these poems are that we're going to discuss. There's also more biographical information on, on Douglas Dunn, and it's very much worth reading. And this poem in particular, I just raised the question for you, if you want to go and visit the website and try and work out whether it might be the perfect poem, I put that out there for you dear listener, to go and have a look and see if it really is the perfect poem. So the next poem I chose was Second Opinion, which, as you'll hear, is quite a different poem. And when juxtaposed with Tay Bridge, it's very much about the human at the centre and exploring the emotional depth of being alongside somebody who is in need. So this poem is called Second Opinion. 
We went to Leeds for a second opinion. After her name was called, I waited among the apparently well and those with bandaged eyes and dark spectacles. A heavy mother shuffled with bad feet and a stick, a pad over one eye, leaving her children warned in their seats. The minutes went by like a winter. They called me in. What moment worse than that young doctor trying to explain? It's large and growing. What is? Malignancy. Why there? She's an artist. He shrugged and said nobody knows. He warned me it might spread. Spread? My body ached to suffer like her twin and touch the cure with lips and healing sesames. No image, no straw to support me, nothing to hear or see. No leaves rustling in sunlight. Only the mind sliding against events and the antiseptic whiff of destiny. Professional anxiety, his hand on my shoulder, showing me to the door, a scent of soap, medical fingers, and his wedding ring. So yes, you can hear how different the content is in this poem. And there were a few remarks on how Dunn manages to strike a really desperate note, really, in this, again, quite short poem, and with biographical detail, but also that human connection and connectedness with another another person and being alongside somebody who is getting a um a diagnosis a, a, a difficult diagnosis in a way it's very relatable this is this is something that happens every day but there's also that detail uh, which the poet is so adept and making it seemingly very conversational and very everyday but at the same time adding that depth and heft of the situation through language and through word choice and through the ways in which the poem is structured into its quatrains. We actually include this poem very mindfully in the Tools of the Trade Poems for New Doctors anthology that we produce because it's gifted to every graduating doctor in Scotland. And this is exactly the type of poem that we like to think will help doctors deal with their own professional anxiety, how to speak to somebody and tell somebody bad news, but also to know how that's going to impact the other person and how it's going to impact the patient and their families. Uh, and especially, obviously, through poetry, to make sure that they choose their language well and are mindful of the language that they use. With the group, um, when we were discussing this, again, there were these, there was a focus on things like the yeah, the word choice of this that kind of antiseptic memory and how the senses are a really powerful way to recall memory and everybody could relate to this antiseptic whiff of destiny and in a way that phrase is emblematic of how Douglas Dunn uses kind of highfalutin language the whiff of destiny but then roots it in the everyday the antiseptic whiff of destiny and by putting those two kind of tones against one another you really get a powerful um, immersion into the into the situation and can really relate to it on a visceral level on a emotional level and on a bodily level and again the way in which the nothing but the poem participants 
responded to the kind of exactitude of language with that point at which the diagnosis is explained and then the way in which the poet responds and notes their response. No image, no straw to support me, nothing to hear or see, no leaves rustling in sunlight, only the mind sliding against events and the antiseptic whiff of destiny. That line, the mind sliding against events, was almost a takeaway line. It was one of those phrases that really resonated with everybody and you could really get a feeling that that was the line that that would pop into your into your mind in different situations during the day and during your during the week after the mind sliding against events and the poem does that the poem slides up against events tries to communicate them tries to connect with them but can't quite deal with that anxiety and the difficulty that's inherent in that and then that final line Again, the detail that shows the humanity at the poem, at the heart of the poem, showing me to the door a scent of soap, medical fingers, and his wedding ring. So we're taken out of the the hospital, we're taken out of the ophthalmology unit, and the humanity of the doctor is obviously placed at the centre. So that was the two poems that we really, really focused on and, and got very much into discussing and recording the effects of them on us as we listened and built a picture a kind of interpretive picture around them as a group. And that's the fun bit of the Nothing But The Poems, where we're reading them together, offering opinions, offering ideas, and gradually building an interpretation, building a reading together. I did include one last poem, which I will read to you just because it lightens the mood a little. It shows that Douglas Dunn's sense of humour, and it was also a really good one to read with my with our friends in the Nothing But The Poem group, of which... Uh, a few are aware of uh, the academic, they have academic ties and are academics. So it was quite interesting to read this one. This one, Douglas was a lecturer for many years as well. So this one's called Thursday. Thursday. Gave yet another lecture. God, I'm boring. Said all the same old things I've said before with touches of howevering and thereforeing. Dear God, it's true. I'm just an ancient bore. If only I could tap my old exuberance, high spirits that I plied in days of yore, then maybe I would find a kind deliverance from the curse of being such a bloody bore. For I'm the model of a modern academic. I'm absolutely super ennui. I'm just stunning when it comes to a polemic and boredom's snoredom's what I guarantee. I'm putting extra pennies in my pension. Retirement beckons and the garden calls, that beautiful botanical dimension where boiler-suited pensioners scratch their balls. But I've got a problem, and it's called work ethic, so I'll slog on with the daily dreary toil. Hey-ho, hey-ho, what a lousy way to go, to work all day, then burn the midnight oil. So whether you're listening to this podcast at midnight or mid-morning, I hope you enjoyed the discussion that I'd given a little picture of there. Please go to our website and see those three poems. They're all up on the Scottish Poetry Library website and see what you think. Um, Read them aloud, make sure you hear them aloud and build your own interpretation around them. So thanks for listening. Hope you, uh, I can welcome you back next time. <laughs>